thank you. Jesus said to his disciples, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter answered him, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, truly I tell to you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. All the disciples said the same. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again for the second time he went away and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See the hours at hand and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Thus far reading of God's holy inerrant, infallible word. All flesh is as grass, as beauties as the flower of the field. The grass withers, its flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. And this is the word that was just read to you. By God's help will be preached. Please be seated. My family and I enjoyed uh, recently uh, a, a movie. If I'll just, I won't give you the name. I don't like to <laughs> promote things from the pulpit. But uh, the movie was about uh, ace pilots, <laughs> and uh, these ace pilots had a very, very difficult mission. Very few people uh, would be able to uh, to accomplish the, the mission successfully. It involved basically uh, flying very close through uh, difficult winding valleys and then into a cavernous crater, almost like a, the inside of a volcano, uh, delivering their ordnance, taking out uh, the valuable target. And then, and then, the most difficult part of all, there would be a steep ascent. I mean, and I don't know, I don't know how many mock it, it, it involved, but it was a tremendous, uh, tremendous acceleration um, to reach uh, the summit of the next mountain and then go over, and then they had a new set of challenges, even if you, may, if, if you were to surmount that, literally, if you would surmount that. Well, uh, the danger is that uh, the human body can only take so many 
gravitational, so much gravitational force, so many Gs. And what happens if you have too many? Um, well, your circulation doesn't work properly, your brain doesn't get oxygen, you simply pass out. And you're flying, but you're not in control anymore, and there she goes. And so you have, uh, in the deployment of this military branch, you have an extremely powerful weapon. But the users keep passing out. A little bit like prayer. Do you ever go to sleep? Do you ever get tired? Do you ever just mind is where, you know, you wake up and uh, how much of the Lord's Prayer did you get through? <laughs> Uh, that is not an exaggeration. I know that you can go through a, a form prayer rather easily, but to engage in prayer, heart work, spiritual work, mortification of the flesh, active participation in the graces provided by the Lord and the Spirit, active recollection of Scripture so that you can pray according to God's will, uh, not only is that difficult because your flesh detests that exercise, you must mortify that carnal longing to do something else. Not only is it difficult for that, but you have every enemy wanting to shoot you down from the skies, quite literally, your spiritual skies. Prayer is difficult work. But what I want you to say, I want you to understand, my friends, is we have here in this text, we have an ace pilot. We have the Lord Jesus. <laughs> and he surmounts all things. Because you know what? Satan has nothing in him. Of the sons of Adam, there is no carnality in Jesus. He sails through to victory in prayer. Even if it's agonizing prayer, even if it's a trial of his life, he gains the victory. And he gains the victory not merely for himself, but for you. That, my friends, is what we have here by way of illustration. We have prayer. We have the trials that drive us to prayer, and then we have the actual trial of prayer itself. But we have one that administers all things on behalf of his church for his own glory, who is our helper, our Savior, the Lord Jesus. In him we preach. The teaching here is this. In every difficulty, your first recourse must be to turn to God in prayer. In every, in every difficulty, your first recourse, your first instinct, your reflex should be and must be to turn to God in prayer. You must resolve to submit yourself in every circumstance to God. And prayer is difficult because of indwelling sin. So you must remain watchful while in prayer. And that's why this sermon is called Watch and Pray. We have three points. First point is that the prayer is your first, your first resource or first recourse in every difficulty. Now here Jesus, of course, is the great example, the best example of prayer before the Lord the Father. The God-man needed much prayer, his mission, uh, his mission in the earth was difficult. He was uh, fully God, yes, but he was also fully man. He knew what it was like to be tired. He knew what it was like to be hungry. He knew what it was like to be under the pressure 
of enemies uh, and mounting pressure of persecution. And uh, the Lord Jesus needed much prayer, and he took occasion to prayer. He prayed early on before the start of every day, from what I gather of the, of, the, of the Gospels. And this night in particular, after the Lord's Supper, knowing that it would be his last night, knowing that his betrayer indeed was at hand, he was facing a great, great trial. And so will we in this world, because we are given uh, this example of Jesus, he was an extreme need. He was an extreme danger. But we, we, our souls, are in extreme need, and we are in extreme danger as well. And uh, you must continue in prayer at such times. You must be drawn to prayer. You must be alert that what you must do is to pray. And even if you have to pray uh, by interruption, checking on your friends, checking on your family, you can rise up three times, as, as, as Jesus did here, or as Paul does, he's not sure if the Lord will deliver him from the thorn in the flesh. There in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8, he prayed three times. The Lord finally gave him the wisdom, my grace is sufficient. Uh, my strength is perfected in your weakness. You'll have an answer, you'll have your answer to which you, my friend, uh, must submit. Jesus is the great model of prayer to God. And here, he's a model, uh, not in corporate prayer, which is, of course, a means of grace, or in a small group prayer. He was at a distance from his friends, Peter, James, and John. But uh, isolated prayer, individual prayer. And individual prayer is best for intimate wrestling with God. Like Jacob wrestled with God all that night with the angel of the Lord. There are times where you pray, uh, and uh, all prayer has its challenges, but sometimes prayer becomes really quite ardent, quite fervent, and one becomes exercised uh, in spirit, uh, almost provoked to be in prayer and waiting upon the Lord to answer. This is a wrestling in prayer, and uh, it helps, my friends, to pour out your heart's desire in an intimate way with the only one that really understands you. You can talk to many friends that with your problems. You can share your concerns. My friends, when we go to friends for counsel, when we go to, to friends for comfort, even when we go to our elders and our pastors first, before going to God intimately, we cheat ourselves. And uh, it is a good thing, my friends, to take this example of the Lord Jesus and to really follow his lead. Now, my friends, even as important as prayer is, all prayer must come to an end. Uh, one of the sweetest words that we have borrowed from the Hebrew is this word, amen. And uh, in context, often it is found where a statement of God's faithfulness is demonstrated. Um, his uh, steadfast love, his uh, loving kindness. And when we see it, we acknowledge its truth and we say, yes, this stands. I believe it. Amen. 
Now, because the Lord is the God of truth and cannot lie, we can trust Him in all things. And if it weren't for His faithfulness and for His truthfulness, we wouldn't know how to pray, nor would we have any confidence at all to pray. But He has pledged to be our helper, and He cannot lie. And so all what he has in Scripture for you, by way of truth, you may echo in prayer and finish with amen. Now, Jesus, I don't know if here you finished his prayer with amen, because usually we end our prayers with amen, but sometimes we end our prayers when we have to dash off because of other providences have come into our day. And Jesus' day was just about up. The providence of a whole Roman cohort is about to come in when Judas at the lead. There his betrayer was coming. Jesus, however, is the great model of God and prayer. Finish your prayers with amen, or finish as you would, because the Lord in his providence may have something else for you, and it's time not to pray. It's time to obey. It's time to faithfully go forward with the Lord into your day. Prayer is your best recourse in every difficulty. And trouble finds everyone, everyone in this life. Jesus' ministry was unique, but it's not completely different from yours, your life, my life. Um, in fact, the scripture tells us very plainly that man is born for trouble, uh, for the very purpose of trial. Man is born for trouble as sparks fly upwards. Job, uh, Job 5, verses 6 and 7 uh, the first psalm that has ever, was ever uh, penned uh, was by Moses, Psalm 90. And uh, he pleased with the Lord there that uh, the Lord would establish the work of his hands. So much of his leading and ministry and leading the church of God in the wilderness uh, seemed to be in vain. They ran into so many problems and provocations and grumblings and murmurings and rebellion. And then the difficulty uh, with enemies picking them off, the Amalekites and everybody in the rear, the Moabites and the disgrace of that nation against Israel. Moses, Moses saw a lot of trouble, even though he was the friend of Jehovah, even though he was the weakest man, the meekest man in the world. And he was a prince and a prophet and a type of king. But his days were filled with trouble. And Jesus says in John 16, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome. So this sermon is for everyone. Uh, old, young, small, uh, rich, poor, educated. You may think you have it made. You haven't made it, uh, made it yet. Jesus himself was known as a man of sorrow, the man of sorrow, acquainted with grief and yet always surmounting, always surmounting with the strength of his soul, his anointing in the spirit, surmounting his sorrow with joy, with thanksgiving, uh, with fervor, with zeal. Such is the model that we have in Christ in surmounting trouble in this life. A prayer, again, should be your very first recourse in every di uh, difficulty. It should be 
It should be reflexive in all men. It's built into our moral character that God is God and that we are a creature and that we are dependent creatures and that we depend on God for everything, for the next breath. And so it's built into us and it should be reflexive. In fact, out, downright pagan people, you know that they will use an expression OMG uh, and they'll use it liberally. Uh, but they don't really mean it as, a, as something uh, to be doxological or anything to be praiseworthy. They just, they find fascination and that's the expression they use. But it, that it carries the sense of it if our heart is in it. That God has brought something up by way of difficulty or a challenge or an opportunity. It should be something that drives us to God. In other words, we should, we should be living before God, quorum Deo, before His face. And everything we experience, we should be experiencing as a Christian, as in Christ. But maybe I'll make more application to that note later. Prayer should be your first course. The believer should increasingly learn to turn to God in prayer. Your life should be one. If you are if you are growing, if you are growing in your sanctification, if all is healthy, if you are becoming a stronger Christian. Uh, it is, as it were, the sun climbing from the dawn to the zenith in the sky to a greater and greater height and greater and greater brilliance. You, you learn the, to delight yourself in the close communion of God in prayer. And that, since the Lord is helping you and he welcomes you to pray and he delights in you praying, well, then you return to prayer. Prayer is the, is the very breath of the Christian. It's the very breath of the Christian. And so and we increasingly learn that God is our all in all, that he is the only one really that essentially matters and that all else by comparison is vanity. The psalmist expresses it this way. Whom, uh, uh, who do I have in heaven besides you? Besides you, there is nothing on earth that I desire. Heaven and earth may pass away, but Lord, you are my strength of my heart and my inheritance forever. God is your all in all, because that is what he is. All things are from him, all things are through him, and all things are to him. And the sooner that we are enraptured with that truth, the sooner we will lend our amen, amen to it in prayer. His loving kindness and his faithfulness are such that he will make good. Prayer is your first recourse in every difficulty. The second point is that prayer must submit all things to God's will. This is what Jesus does here. Three times he wrestled. Three times he desired something. He really, not sinfully desired it, but it's instinctual, I would say, again, reflexive in every human nature to desire to live. It is not a healthy thing. Something is wrong when someone wants to go ahead and throw away their life. Jesus was not throwing away his life. And so he had to wrestle with this. And, uh, of course, as he wrestled, he realized he must at the end Submit to the Father's will. And since God is sovereign, that is what we want anyway. 
God will bless no other prayer. If you have anything in mind by your prayer, then submission, abandon it. You're not praying. You're complaining. You're grumbling. You may grumble and pray to God for a time and express yourself because God's got wide shoulders and he can take it. But in the end, you have to turn that around and resolve. As most of the Psalms do, most of the Psalms do not leave you hanging in the root of bitterness. The Psalms there, even the imprecatory Psalms are not there so you can absolutely blast your enemies and walk away and say, no, take that. That's not your weapon in prayer. Your weapon in prayer is, is to subdue all things, even your own stubborn, sinful flesh to the Lord. And God will not bless any other prayer. God does not change by prayer. He's not improved by your prayers. As we said in Sunday school and adult class, God is not, imp- God is not improved by our obedience. Now, his kingdom goes forward faster, apparently anyway, to our eyes when we're obedient and we submit ourselves to the ministry of the word and, and, and send out missions and all that. Those are the means to the end. But God is no better off by our anything that we do than he already is. He is the most blessed ever. He is the, he is the ever blessed and infinitely blessed God. He is happy and self-sufficient of his own. So by prayer, you're not changing his mind. You're not giving him any information. You, my friend, are the one who is changing. And you often pray to surmount the difficulties. You may ask the Lord to remove the circumstance of trial, and he so very often graciously does that. And you are thankful for it, and you give him great thanks whenever he removes the cancer from your body or, you know, uh, the bad... The, 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 the bad car that you're driving is, is whatever the provocation is. But it's even more glorious when the provocation does not go away and you are able to surmount the circumstances. That is an internal strength, that is a spiritual strength that is afforded you. Every child of God has it and has, as, uh, as a resource. Jesus here displays the strength of that resource. What we find here is that prayer then is an essential means of grace, essential means uh, to encounter God. God has put his name uh, in the event of prayer. He will bless it because he's put his name. His name is the pledge of his being there, his pledge to promise you. You bear his name in baptism. He's He's pledged to help you. Faith and then confidence in who God is is the key. Knowing who God is and having no idol, no no plastic image that is pliable and he's changing, he's, I'm going to change God's mind. If only God were more informed, he'd realize that I married the wrong lady. It doesn't work that way. Faith in God in his will, confidence that he is working his will, doing that which is pleasing in his sight, fitting you for heaven, not for this planet. You're going to max out for heaven, not for Madison Avenue, not for Wall Street. Faith in who God is, 
and that as a father, he is always able, because he has all power, but you must also resolve and settle and rest in the fact that he is willing. He is willing. All things work together for good to them who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. God is able, certainly. Is he willing? If you pray according to his will, yes, always willing to help you. And so you state your petitions, as Jesus did here, or supplications on the part of other people. For things according to his express will, if it's a promise of Scripture, you have, you have license to wrestle with God till the last hour of the night. If he has promised something and it's his express will, by all means engage the deity. The Puritans would say, sue him. Take him to court. Call upon his name and tell him that this is what is required of you and you have nothing by yourself. You can do nothing. You're convinced of it. Sanctify me. Keep me from temptation. Forgive me my sins. Give me grace that I may walk in new uh, obedience. Keep me from defiling myself. Help me keep my eyes to myself and not to look at a perversion. God will always answer that prayer. God will always answer that prayer. Because that's his will in Christ. In Christ. Now, for things according to express will, recall his will, know his will, read it, uh, know the Bible, know all that he's willing, willing and uh, wanting you to do by way of duty, and then wrestle with God. Now, Jesus was really deeply wrestling here. Uh, Matthew doesn't get into all the, the details. Other Gospels do. The agony, the agony of Gethsemane. But Jesus knew that he must be. He was destined. And he, he signed up for this, to be the sacrifice for sin. That was his mission. He was the only pilot that could uh, come in there and do this, to develop, to, to drop this ordinance. Jesus began to feel the weight. Right then, at, after the supper, uh, there in Gethsemane, he began to be sorrowful. He began to feel the infinite weight and the burden. There was an imputation going on. God the Father was beginning to treat him as other than a son. He was beginning to impute the sin of the world on his son. He was beginning to, it was the beginning of the pangs of his passion, very hellish. For things according to his express will, wrestle with God. That's what Jesus is doing here. But for things indeterminate, or maybe even things indifferent, for that matter, uh, for, for the matter of it, for maybe for the timing of it, you might get a, a no, but you might, you might get a, a maybe, or you might get a wait. And so therefore, that's why, that's why this word watch. So, um, I think most of prayer involves watching. I, lately, I don't know why. Uh, it's, I don't know. I, I have no explanation for this. But somehow, I pray, and it seems like it takes about a day for the, for the mail to go to heaven and back. And sometimes I get my answers immediately. But for some reason, I don't know why. 24 hours seems to be the, period, the current periodicity with a lot of my prayers. What I'm saying here is there's something about to being watchful in prayer. Being watchful as you pray, and after you've finished praying, watch for what God will do. 
How many times, my friends, have we had prayers answered in the church, and it's a long list of petitions, and then where are our thanksgivings? He's answered most of them, if not all of them, and yet, well, I have a thanksgiving. Oh, that's, wow, really? Okay, well, let's chalk it up then, thanksgiving. For things indeterminate or indifferent, as to the timing of it, you're watching, well, cast your burden. Cast your burdens on the Lord. This is, this is how Jesus falls face first, almost exhausted, all, almost depleted. You know, when you, I don't know, how long has it been in the gym when you lifted somebody and nearly broke you and you almost fell with the weight? That's what Jesus is just falling headlong in obeisance before the Lord, his Father. Now, Jesus did not know, humanly speaking, Jesus did not know, apparently, if God knew of any other way forward. I've got here an exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. I am befuddled as to how this could be. It's a mystery. I don't know how to explain this to you. But that was his prayer. It's recorded here by the Holy Spirit. So you, you do, whether when things are indeterminate or indifferent, cast your burdens. Cast, your for, your, cast yourself, cast your cares before the Lord, because he cares for you. Pray then according to God's revealed will. You should always pray according to God's revealed will. The secret counsels, the decrees remain unknown. Deuteronomy 29 and verse 29. The, the things that are revealed are for us and for our children, says the scriptures. Without those things, God can never be Shown to be faithful, he could not show, be demonstrated as being the truthful God in all of redemptive history. And certainly our prayers would not conclude with an amen, affirming the truth, the solidarity, the, the thing stands. All right? And this, my friends, is the, is the real travesty uh, of people who pray in tongues or in an unknown. Paul says, hey, look, when you do that, you don't edify anybody. And, you know, you are edifying yourself somehow when that gift was, was still extinct. But my friends, that is not a prayer language because prayer is a wrestling with God uh, according to his revealed will, especially, especially. And if you don't know that, then you are to cast your burden and leave it with him. Like Jesus, then, you have to know scripture. You have to know scripture and scripture must inform your prayers. You must take time to learn, to read, to memorize. You must take time to Take time to, to, to meditate so these, these scriptures are in you and are active and at your disposal when you need them. In other words, they're in the top drawer filed away, but it's, you haven't locked it under lock and key. It's, it's easy to open. You've, you've got to retrieve it. You don't have to look at your, at your phone app to retrieve it. Now, where is that promise of God to cast your care on the Lord so he cares for you because he cares for you? It's in you. It's in you. You know it. Nevertheless, thy will be done. That is submitting, submitting all things to God's will. Dependence. Dependence. One 19th century American theologian, was he American? He was German. German theologian says, basically, you can reduce religion to a sense of dependency on God. No, it's not that. It can't be redacted to that sense. But you know what? He's got a, a good stripe of truth in there. Without an utter sense of dependency on God, we have no pious creature 
we may have an inflated and arrogant and intellectual, a philosopher or a theologian, but we don't have a pious Christian dependence, acquiescence. Uh, 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 not, it's not a fitting in of God's will for your life. It's an abandoning of your life to, get to, to God's will. Let me see if I can squeeze the religion into my life. No. It's God's life in you. You're God's creature. He redeemed you. You were purchased with a price. Now give him the glory. Give him back what he gave you. Everything. He's given you everything so you lose nothing by prayer and by submitting everything to him. It's a communion. Prayer is communion. He gives himself. And you give yourself back to him. That's fellowship. Fellowship is not about coffee and donuts. Fellowship is about abandoning all and receiving all. That's fellowship. The resolution then, that will be done, must be sincere. If you don't think you can, if you, th if you think you're still... Now, I have confessed, you know, in times before God, I, 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 I've held back, so forgive me for holding back. Check yourself, know yourself, confess your hesitation to abandon all, wait on the Lord until he gives you grace to abandon all. Wait on the Lord. You're not done with prayer. He's not comforted you yet. You're not done with prayer. Most of the prayers that we uh, conclude were, providen were providentially hindered. That's, that's up to God. He'll catch up with you some other time. But if we leave our prayer for some other lust or for some other activity that we desire more than God, we have not finished prayer. We have not submitted and that, therein, my friends, is a lot of, of what our, our, our weakness in our, our, our Christian walk, why we're not growing, why we are not maturing, why we uh, don't have many teachers, why we're not really as strong as we meet and need to be in this age. The world certainly is on the aggression against Christians. We have to surmount that trial. Uh, it's going to require faithfulness on our part in prayer. Now, the resolution, the resolution that will be done is always proper. This resolution greatly glorifies God. It, 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 is, a, it, is, it is your worship. It, it is your private worship if it's done in your prayer closet, but it's here. It's, it's your worship of God. And the resolution distinguishes, distinguishes the worshiping creature from the worshiped creator. It is an active... Uh, a response of the creature a re, it's an active response of the reasonable creature acknowledging that God truly is God and without that no prayer has been concluded prayer must then submit all things to God's will a second point the third point final point is a prayer is greatly hindered is greatly hindered by our sinful flesh Peter James and John all failed Jesus simple command watch and pray. Indwelling corruption hinders all your prayers. Don't blame it on bad teaching. Oh, I haven't been taught to pray. Don't blame it on the distractions. Don't blame it on your busy lives. You all have the same amount of time. Indwelling corruption is what hinders all your prayers. You are to desire God first and foremost as preeminent and yet, my friends, we know that. We are willing to an extent, but then we are short-circuited because of our 
corruption. And if we are not about putting to death the deeds of the body, thinking, well, we're saved, you know, and I don't know if our sanctification needs to be this rigorous. One sure mark that you are deceiving yourself and cheating yourself is that your prayer life is abysmal. It's abysmal because you don't find any joy in it. Because you're not really dealing with God. And in your prayers, they, something goes up, but the heavens are brass, the earth is, is iron. You're, you're like in a vice. It's very uncomfortable. Maybe there's unconfessed sin. Maybe you need to reconcile with somebody. But you're not making any headway. And dwelling corruption hinders all your prayers. And that, my friends, if you don't understand that teaching, look at Paul and how he argues and complains, not against God, not against circumstances, against himself. I am my worst enemy. Me. I am the problem in this church. Look yourself in the mirror. Your corruption will keep you, if it's not subdued, will keep you from surmounting every trial in your marriage, at work, in your neighborhood, at school, in church. This hindrance in the flesh, it, it cannot be used as an excuse. Oh, or I'm only human. Yeah, you're a fallen human and you haven't dealt with the corruption, the perversion of sin. You are not putting to death the deeds of the body. You are not surmounting your sin nature. You, you resemble one who doesn't even know the Lord and knows that you have a very powerful flying machine. And he might not ask you to fly to the, to the highest speed, but dare you fly it at any speed? Are you even in the air with this engine? Are you a pilot? Or are you not a pilot? The hindrance of the flesh serves as no excuse. Jesus, knowing that his disciples were very tired after the meal, uh, I mean, the meal probably started at 11. I said, it was very late. When they, I mean, excuse me, the, field, the meal probably finished at 11. It was late. There were, it was dark. It was already night. Sure, they were tired, but Jesus still exhorts them. <laughs> he says, hey, what is this? You guys, you can't even, you can't even watch for one hour? It, it was a very important night, and the disciples didn't get it. They were asleep. Our continued failure then to pray must receive Jesus' exhortation to watch and pray. It may be more than an exhortation for some of us. It may be a correction, or it may be something of a rebuke. And we need to listen. We need to listen to the Lord because the days are evil. We may be eager to pray in our spirit. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, sure, prayer is a great thing. Yeah, prayer, mighty thing. Yeah, lots of people pray. It's good. But we must always beware of the flesh. Beware that, there's, that there is a betrayer. And it's not Judas. It's our self. Our sinful self will betray us. Mortify sin in the flesh, 
The only way to do that is by the almighty and infinite power of the Holy Spirit of God. You avail of the Spirit by His Word, and the promises in His Word by faith, and He will sanctify you. And by and by you will see a happy conclusion. You will be gaining in strength. Your prayers will improve. Your, even your public prayers will be saturated with Scripture. You will, you will, it, I, it's not that you, you want, we're not here to make poets. I don't want people to be eloquent in prayer. We want to be scriptural in prayer because we know we're praying in the Spirit when we are praying according to the Word of God. That's why we use the Word of God in our hymns and psalms. And that's why we saturate what we do with the Word of God, especially prayer. Let me bring this to a conclusion. In every difficulty, your first recourse must be to turn to God in prayer. You must resolve to submit yourself in every circumstance to God. Prayer is difficult. It's difficult work because of undwelling sin, so you must remain watchful while in prayer. Is, Is prayer truly your first recourse in every difficulty? Do you retreat from challenges in this life because you're more about comfort than about advancing the kingdom? Or do you meet them confidently through prayer? Is God your help? Do you know? Do you sense that the Lord is helping? Do you know that he wants to prove himself sufficient and strong in your life? Are you convinced of it? Sort of? Do you know that he's able? If your theology is correct, if you're a Calvinist, uh, your theology should be, yeah, I can handle that. But do you know that he's willing? That's, the, that's where you wrestle. That's where you have to uh, understand the nature of prayer and what God is doing in your life. Jesus understood how unique and critical his ministry was in his days. He knew he was on critical, he was in the critical path. But do you? Do you know that your life is meaningful in the kingdom? Do you know that your life has lots of meaning? Or do you think that you are insignificant as a Christian, as a, as a confirmed prophet, priest, and king? in the prophetic commonwealth called the Christian church? Do you think that is, a, that is an insignificant call to intercede for the world? To, to pray on behalf of people that do not have faith? To spare nations? To spare your company? To have mercy on your pagan teacher? Is that a trite and insignificant ministry? You are priests. You're on mission. You need to stay awake and you need to pray. Are you continually at ease in Zion? Are you, are you retired? Are you, are you retired? Or are you a soldier? That's, that's something you can think about. Christians never retire. We soldier on until the day of glory. There is no utopia. I know that we don't bank, we don't want necessarily to look for sorrow and look for difficulty and all this. But sorrow comes, trouble comes. But sorrow and joy, trouble and blessedness are not incompatible. Jesus knew sorrow and he knew great elation. He could surmount his sorrows present day by looking, by in hope, 
to the resolution of his passion. Hope surmounts present sorrow, and hope comforts with joy in present sorrow. Have you learned that lesson? Are you so living in the moment that you can't have anything to look forward to by way of certainty of hope? A Christian who doesn't do that will certainly weaken and tire and find himself malnourished and exhausted. And it need not be the case. It need not be the case. This is no utopia. You're going to have to put your shoulder to the plow. And it's going to blister your hands. But you can look to the, you can savor the hope by faith. You can so. So watch and pray. You're not going to do it on your own strength. That's ridiculous. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need a fresh unction. You're going to need the anointing. You have to understand your times, where you are, how do you fit into the whole mechanism of the cosmos, what kind of creature you are, and what kind of a creature you are in Christ. You need to learn this. You need to learn that the days are upon us. The Philistines, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. I'm going to have to play the part of Delilah here to wake you guys up. The Philistines are upon you. When are you going to watch and pray? Know that prayer is critically important and sometimes extremely difficult. But the mission is critical. You are to then, and as much as we all have failed here, confess your sloth, confess your disinterest, confess your ignorance, your worldliness, your, your worldliness in all of these matters. My friends, there is no such thing as a, it's the greatest contradiction. A prayerless Christian is a breathless creature. A prayerless Christian is a breathless creature. It is dead. What you need is to be revived or regenerated. You need to be born again. You need to believe the gospel. You need to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ who died for sinners so that the death that you died in Adam might not kill you the second time, but that you might rise with Christ on the last day through faith in in him, Christ, your second head, your second Adam. Believe in the gospel, and he will give you that new life in the Holy Spirit. He will give you of his living life the resurrected Christ on the right hand of the Father. Believe the gospel, repent, obey all of God's commandments, but especially in today's teaching, the call to prayer. That is the will of God and the word of God for you today. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for Jesus, who is our forerunner and our great deliverer and savior. We thank you for all of his merits and graces. We pray that we would please you, uh, Lord, and that we would delight in you as our all in all, and that we might avail in all of your resources, that we might give you great glory by resting in you uh, as our first resolve in every difficulty, that we might persist in prayer until we know with confidence that you are faithful and just and lend our amen. Help us, Lord. Forgive us for laxity and unbelief. For you, Lord, are great. 
restore and renew zeal in your church for prayer. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's have our offering. Thank you.